0: I got a question for you. Do you worry? Do you worry? Let me ask a better question. Do you ever stop worrying? Is that a better question? Do you ever stop worrying? Well, we kind of have this idea when it comes to anxiety and worry that we're kind of born with it. And we use the phrase, I'm a natural born worrier. And so we kind of have this myth that that being a warrior is like genetic, you know? It's kind of like blood type or height or weight, something like that. You know, something that you're born with. But did you know that, that, that you can live free from the bondage of worry? In fact, Jesus spoke about this topic so powerfully in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus challenges us to, to be people that are not incarcerated by our own anxieties and our worries. But we live in a state of anxiety. We live in a time where people are constantly anxious about the future and even about the present. And sometimes we even worry about the past, the past, present, and the future. We have a global pandemic that's going on right now and we're, we, we thought we were kind of getting through that and this summer people were really optimistic about the future and people were having friends over and kind of you know returning back to normal but then the delta variant showed up and the numbers spiked and and uh, people's anxiety and fear went up again for obvious reasons and uh, we're living in a in an age of corona fatigue. You know, we're we're, we're kind of just beaten down and wore out with this thing. I was over at one of my favorite restaurants this weekend. I was trying to order, and the lady trying to take my take my order was a really nice lady, but she had a mask on and she was behind a plastic shield. And, and I kept telling her what I wanted, and she didn't understand, and maybe I don't speak very well. And so finally she pulled her mask down, stepped out around the shield, and took the order. And I was like, well, a lot of good that that did. Maybe you felt that way before. We feel a little fatigued, don't we? Well, God wants to challenge us today. Uh, spiritually, um, we can walk in victory over worry no matter what's going on in our culture. Uh, some of us have some personal circumstances and problems that are stressing you out. We've been in a series called Panic Attack. We've been talking about taking our anxieties head on, and maybe it's your finances, maybe it's your health, maybe it's your your family or relationships or your job, or 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 maybe some things that occurred in the in in in, in recent days that that have you upset and anxious. And uh, you know, I, I never get tired of reading the Bible because. The Bible speaks to today's issues as relevantly as it did thousands of years ago. Um, in fact, I love Romans chapter 12, verse uh, 2. It says, Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that, you may be, that, you, that by testing you may, be, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I love that idea of being transformed by the renewing of our minds. See, our anxieties and our worries need to be renewed. If if we're weighed down with thoughts of anxiety, our mind needs to be renewed and it needs to be transformed. And I want to talk to you today about how our minds can be transformed by the power of Jesus now WebMD says that 75 to 90% of all doctor visits are related to stress and anxiety in some way. Did you know that high blood pressure, heart problems, diabetes, headaches, skin conditions, asthma, arthritis, depression are all tied to anxiety? And I wonder if some of us today are facing some major felt, uh, health crises that are related specifically to not being able to relax. Um, we also know that uh, money is a huge topic. Money stresses us out as, as much as anything. In fact, the USA Today said that, that the number one worry that Americans have today is about the finances. You know, it's the, the increased cost of living, it's health insurance, it's it's paying the rent, it, it's, it's the mortgage, It's it's buying groceries. And Maybe you're like me. You've been at the store lately, and you're like, I cannot believe how much it costs to live. That's a conversation that I have with myself sometimes. Maybe you do too, and we worry about the money. We worry about the money. Well, the first thing that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter six, verse twenty-four, related to um, worry was he he hit the money head-on. And he said that we can't serve both God and money. In other words, if you worry about your finances all the time and that becomes the focus of your life, you can't serve two masters. You're either going to serve the master of money or you're going to serve the God the master. God the master. Worry is destructive. It's unproductive. And we got to change the way that we think. So to do that, I want to ask three questions today, okay? And I want you guys to, to, to respond appropriately as I ask these questions from the Sermon on the Mount, from the greatest teaching about anxiety and worry that I know of in the Bible, Matthew chapter 6. And, and, and the first question is, does worry make sense? Does worry make sense? Now, uh, the answer to that is probably yes if you don't trust God. If you don't trust God, I didn't say, do you believe in God? I said, do you trust God? There is a difference, okay? You, you, you can be a, 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 a Christian, like, you know, in, in the most literal sense, and yet, and still not have God leading and directing your life, okay? So, so, do you trust God? Do you trust God? If you don't trust God, you believe that it's all up to you anyway, Amen? And if it's all up to you, then i got some bad news for you. you got a lot to worry about. Okay? Amen? Come on, somebody's anxiety just went through the roof. You're like, oh my God, you know, I wanted him to say something that encouraged me. But listen, if you believe God, if you're a person of faith, your life is in a different category. And Jesus knew this, and that's why he said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. But then he goes on and he says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? In other words, does worry make sense? And Jesus says what? No! He says it is illogical to worry if you have faith. Now, sometimes there's a difference between what we know is right and how we feel. And that's the disconnect. But just as we're starting out, can we just agree that that worry is not logical? And Jesus uses an illustration about the birds of the air. And he says, listen. Have you ever seen the birds of the air chew their fingernails? (laughs) Have you ever seen the birds of the... Have you ever seen the sparrows or or, or, or some other species of bird have a panic attack? No. Now, birds do work hard. In fact, we had a mama bird not too long ago that was determined to build a nest in a wreath on our front door. And we kept, you know getting, you know, moving all of the stuff out and mama bird just kept coming back. Okay. But mama bird was not anxious. (laughs) You can be a worker and not be a worrier. See, you can be diligent, you can be faithful and at the same time, not be anxious. And a few years ago, we moved into our first house here in Colorado and on the back porch, we had kind of an awning area and I'm I'm convinced that every pigeon in the city of Aurora came to live in my backyard. I mean my kids were little and I would open the door and there was bird bomb all over the back patio and and I was like, "Man, what am I going to do?" So I did something really smart. I took a survey of my neighbors, okay? That's how you know you you know you can determine what you need to do. Ask the neighbors. One neighbor gave the suggestion that I should go by those Little wooden planks with nails in them that they attach carpet to. Do you know what I'm talking about? And he said, Ryan, if you will caulk those little boards with little bitty nails all across the back of your of your house, the birds, they, they'll be so irritated, they will be so agitated, they will go on down the street. I thought, that's a great idea. So I went to Home Depot and I spent a Saturday afternoon attaching these little boards, and I, I'm telling you, I thought I had this all figured out. I was so excited. The next day, I go out, and there are birds everywhere. It was almost like they had multiplied, you know? They were not deterred, okay? The birds, they were not anxious, okay? And so another, another neighbor gave the wise suggestion. He said, pigeons are terrified of snakes, He said, go to the toy store and buy some rubber snakes and put them up there. I was like, this is genius. So I went to the toy store and I bought the biggest, nastiest, most sinister snakes you have ever seen. I'm talking about like poison hanging off the the fangs, like the the viper type, like demonic kind kind of snakes. You know what I'm saying? And I coiled, I had one that was coiled up, and I had one that was kind of stretched out, you know, on top of the nails. And I was like, I got this figured out. Well, the next day I went to check on the pigeons. And as I opened the door, one of the pigeons flew off with one of the snakes in his talons. And he dropped it in the backyard and sat on the fence and turned around and looked at me. He gave me like the look. I looked up and another bird was pooping on the other snake. And the third snake was nowhere to be found. I was like, man, I'm going to, what am I going to do? So I talked to another neighbor and he said, Ryan, order these big plastic spikes online and you can attach those on top of the boards with the nails Next to the snakes. I was like, that's, that's fantastic. So, so I did. And actually the pigeons, they went and lived in my next door neighbor's yard, which I was very excited about. But I got to tell you, through all of that, the birds did not worry. They were like, if you put some fake snakes up there, what do, what do we care? We'll just kind of carry off the snakes. You know, you put some spikes up there. Eh, no big deal. We'll go to the neighbor's yard. I never saw one bird weighted down with anxiety. (laughs) And I think this is what Jesus had in mind when he said, when he said, is life not more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. I mean, I just imagine Jesus is teaching outside, and maybe some birds are flying over, and Jesus is like, see, look, these guys aren't stressed out, and I take care of them. Are you not more important than an animal? I mean, listen, if you are a part of God's spiritual family, if Jesus Christ is in your life, you've been bought by the blood of Jesus, you you have entered into a spiritual covenant with God, are you not more valuable than the birds of the air? And Jesus says, look at the lilies of the field. Uh, you know, I take care of them as well. They're doing great. So don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah, uh, do we need to work hard? Do we need to be diligent? Do we need to study? Do we need to use wisdom? Do we need to save money? We should do all of those things, but we shouldn't worry. I'm not telling you that you won't be tired. You might have to work two jobs, but you shouldn't be anxious. You shouldn't worry. You might sleep really good at night because you're tired. And if I've done the best that I can do, then the rest is all up to God. And I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry. I mean, is is it logical to be anxious? God says, I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry. Do you really believe that? Is that really deposited into your spirit that God wants to take care of your needs? God cares for you. You know, when my kids have a need, I want to try to meet that need the best that I can. You know, if my kids had a need and I didn't know about it, and then I found out about it later, I would be upset about that. Now, that's not new video games, you know. But I'm talking about like a real need. God knows your needs. By the way, think about that for just a moment. You don't have one need in your life that God is not aware of. I mean, do you believe it? Think about this. Is God in heaven and is he oblivious to the struggles that are going on in your life? Jesus said, It is illogical to worry. Does worry make sense? Come on, somebody. No. Does worry make things better? I I don't think that it does. Jesus said in verse 27, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? In other words, you can't extend your life. You can't... (laughs) You can't like make things better by worry. Some of us would be millionaires if we could get rich by worrying, right? You would be. Some that's right. <laughs> some of us would be some of us would be uber successful if worry helped us climb to the top, wouldn't we? Does worry make things better? No, it doesn't. Why are we so good at worrying? Because, because somehow we, 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 we kind of have this idea that if we worry about something that it's going to improve our circumstances. But listen, worry never healed a relationship. It never improved a situation. It never made you feel better. It never fixed your finances. It doesn't help you do anything better than you've done it before. Worry does not make it better. It doesn't. Now, I'm not telling you you don't have some problems. I'm just saying that worrying about the problems is not going to improve your circumstance. It's really not. In fact, a University of Michigan study determined that 60% of all of our worries were unwarranted. 20% have already become past activities, and we can't do anything about those anyway. 10% are so petty that they don't make any difference at all. And then of the remaining 10%, only 4 to 5% are really justifiable. And of those, we can't do anything, about half of them. So only about 2% of our worries are real. And if we did what this study said, we could reduce all worry by 98%. Would your life be a little bit better? Does worry make sense? Does it make things better? Well, what do we do? I think one of the greatest things that we can begin to practice in our own spiritual journey is to turn our worry list into our prayer list. Now you may be thinking, well, I want to pray, but I'm not sure what to say to God. Here's a great starting point. What are you worried about? And what if we turned our worries into prayers? What if your worry list became your prayer list? That's what the Apostle Paul spoke about in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't be anxious about anything. Now notice he doesn't say some things. He says don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then what will happen? Check it out in verse 7. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, when you pray and you give burdens and worries to God, peace begins to flood your life. So God has given us a divine coping method to deal with worry. It's called prayer. And if you don't have a prayer life, You will have a very active worry life. But if you will increase your prayers, guess what will happen? You will decrease your worries. And by the way, the peace of God will flood your heart. It transcends all understanding. That's Bible for it doesn't make any sense what God does in your life. You got peace that's unexplainable. If you've ever had that peace, you know what I'm talking about. You've been there before. You're like, oh, I've been down that road. How do I explain that? Well, I don't even know how to put that into words. If you've been there, you know it. If you haven't been there, it's hard to explain it because it just transcends all understanding. It's a peace that passes all understanding. And we ought to pray about the things that we're worried about. So let me ask you, church, does worry... Makes sense. Does worry make things better? Does worry bring me closer to God? No, it really doesn't. In fact, Jesus goes on in verse 25. And he says, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. This is in the imperative tense in the language of the New Testament. Which is a command. And three times in this text of Scripture, Jesus gives the same command do not worry. Now, if the Bible says something one time, we certainly should take note of it. But when the Bible keeps saying the same thing over and over, we should pay particular attention to what is being communicated. And over and over, Jesus is saying, do not worry. In other words, worry is a sin against God. Did you know that? See, a lot of times we think worry is like murder, you know, adultery, stealing. We would put those at the top of the list. We're like, oh yeah, that's sin. That's the bad stuff. How many times do we equate worry with sin? But here's the problem. When we worry, we're going against exactly what Jesus has told us to do. And so how can I get closer to God if I'm doing the opposite of what Jesus commanded me? He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. And then a little bit later, in verse 31, he says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. This is practical atheism. You see, Jesus is drawing a distinction between people who live by faith and people that don't. And i got to ask you, is there a difference in your lifestyle? Is there a difference in your anxiety from your atheist neighbor? From the guy down the street? From the person who lives next door? Is there something different about your life? Do you have more hope? Do you have more peace? Do you have more certainty? Or do you just live like everybody else? Because listen, when you begin to live by this principle of refusing to worry and refusing to be anxious, you will stand out. You will be different. People in your office, people in your community will say, Man, what is wrong with her? Because I know all that she's going through. And she's not anxious. If I had all that anxiety, they would have checked me into the hospital, you know? What's wrong with her? The difference is you have God in your life. You you have Christ in your life. You're, You're not like everybody else. You're not a practical atheist. And Jesus says, listen, man, there's a difference between you and everybody else. The pagans run after these things. People who don't know God stress and worry about having more stuff and more things. And where is tomorrow? what is tomorrow gonna, going to bring? And, you know, what can I do and all this? And, and it's, it, it, that's enough to make anybody anxious. But Jesus says you're different. You're different. Don't, don't live like everybody else. Matthew chapter 7, verse 9, I was reading that this week in my devotion time. It says, who among you, if if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Isn't that awesome? I mean, just think about that for a minute. If you're asking God for bread, he's not going to give you a what? He's not going to give you a stone. If you ask God for a fish, he's not going to give you a serpent. That's why we can relax. That's why worry is illogical. That's why worry doesn't make anything better. And that's why it doesn't bring us closer to God. So how can we begin to rise above the anxieties in our life? Let me give you a couple of things, and these are not on your notes, but I want you to think about these things. The first is is hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. Romans four eighteen says calls it hope against hope. And, and when you lose hope, you get anxious. If you don't ever believe things could be better or that god could intervene in your circumstance or, or or that a change could happen you just lose hope maybe that's where you're at today maybe you're anxious because you don't have hope but listen with jesus there is always hope i mean think about lazarus man he was 3 days in the grave before jesus raised him there's always hope there's always hope And until Jesus says game over, it's always game on. Okay, And we need to be in a hope-filled place. By the way, that's the local church. That's why you need to be here every single weekend because this is a place of hope. The church is a place of hope. The relationships you build with people here are, are uplifting and encouraging. And you need a community of faith around you that is speaking hope into your life. Because it's tough out there. Hold on to hope. Another application would simply be tolerate uncertainty. You know, many of us are in the gap. We're kind of in between. We know where God is leading us or or we know that God is leading us somewhere different. But we're not there yet. We're kind of in the in between. And maybe you woke up this morning asking yourself, how is this all going to turn out? Where is this thing headed? And that's just part of the Christian experience, man. You're going to live in the gaps. I mean, think about it. Moses was told, go and, and deliver my people. But Moses doesn't lead the exodus for, for quite a time after that. He has to travel back to Egypt. Then he meets with Pharaoh Pharaoh tells him he's crazy. The Israelites don't believe that God can deliver them. And I mean Moses is in this very frustrating stage between this is what God said and this is where I think I'm supposed to go but I'm living here kind of in the gap between. What about Joshua? Joshua was told you're going to conquer the land of promise. He and some friends go and spy out the land and 10 of the 12 come back and say we can't do it. And Joshua was thinking, but God has said we're going to have the promised land. So he's got to wait 40 more years. And then after 40 years, they go into the land of promise, but they still have to fight the battles. Have you ever been in the gap between where God is leading you, but where you are today? Tolerate the uncertainty. What 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 about when Abraham was told go and go to Mount Moriah and make a sacrifice? By the way, sacrifice your own son. And he had to travel. He had to spend all that time with his son before he's going to put him on the altar and 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 sacrifice him. you know, you know, you know if you know the story, the angel intervened. But but the, the, there's there's kind of this gap sometimes between where we're headed and where we are. And and you know what? That's normal. That's okay. That's all right. You can trust God and not have all the answers. You can trust God and not have it all figured out. You can, you can sleep really good tonight and not know where this whole thing is going to end up. Because you believe and you trust in God. So tolerate the uncertainty. Expect God to move. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all my needs. Do you believe it? God, God promises to meet your needs. I mean, if you have a legitimate need, God wants to meet your need. Why why do I need to not be anxious today? God's gonna meet my needs. God's gonna meet my needs. God takes the responsibility to provide for us. God has compassion on us. This doesn't mean that we get whatever we want. It doesn't mean that we don't have challenges. It doesn't mean that we're not disciplined or that we don't work hard or that we don't plan. I'm not saying that. But God's God's word to us today is that God meets needs. And if you believe that God meets needs, you don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be anxious about tomorrow. Uh, Give God your burdens First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Let God carry the weight of your stuff. I mean, I just love that word, cast your cares on him. It's a word that means to throw something. So whatever I'm anxious about, I'm going to take it and I'm going to throw it and I'm going to give it to God. And God is going to carry the weight of the things that are stressing me out. Cast all your cares on him. But I think perhaps the most interesting application to this entire passage might be found right here in verses 33 and 34. Because Jesus gives a specific remedy. He says that we ought to seek first the kingdom of God. Look at this right here in verse 33. But this... But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So Jesus says, listen, if you will take your eyes off of your problems, off of your anxieties, and you will put them on the kingdom, if you will focus your attention on the kingdom of God, then I will meet your needs. Seek first the kingdom, and all these other things will be added to you. See, we, we are hustling after stuff. Our eyes are on food and shelter and and jobs and and obligations and preferences. Those are the things that we run after, and then we try to work the kingdom in somewhere after that. Jesus says, listen, to follow me is to be a contrarian. If you will seek the kingdom of God, if the kingdom of God will be the priority of your life, I'll take care of all the other stuff and you don't have to worry about it. So let me ask you today, are you living a kingdom focused life? Is the kingdom, is the kingdom the direction that you're focused on? Or are you chasing everything else? Are you living like the atheist? Are you living like the non believer? Are you doing whatever? And to seek first the kingdom means to put God and the things of God before everything else, is really what it means. Kingdom living is living in a place where the king rules, and Jesus is the king. So does he rule your life? What drives your worry? What drives your greatest devotion? What drives your decision making? Is it the kingdom? or is it something else is it is it reaching people is it is it is it serving is it praying is it the word of god is it sharing your faith is it bringing friends to church is it is it is it kingdom stuff or is it is it my stuff what is it what will it be so let me ask you church does worry make sense does worry make things better Does worry bring me closer to God? Then why should we worry? Why should we worry? Would you pray with me?